Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Walk in Grace series, which goes through Ephesians 2 through 5. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God has used it in your life. Well, let's take our Bibles today and let's go to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians in chapter number 4 this morning. Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> This morning, and I just want to thank all of those involved with music, and uh, man, uh, us as a congregation, man, it was a good, good singing this morning, and you know, sometimes I think if you've been in church for any length of time, there are certain parts of a service that can become monotonous. You know monotony? Some of you are like, yes, I work a monotonous job. We all have, we all have monotony, monotonous things in our life, and uh, I think that sometimes, if we're not careful, the church service uh, can be that way at times. And we can come to a, a service time, and um, as we go into the service time, maybe the singing or something like that, man, it, just, it can just kind of become a checklist and become something that we're just doing. Uh, that wasn't the case today. And I felt like everybody sang out and praised the Lord for it and looking forward to our time in the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 4 this morning is where we're going to be. Before we get there, I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to ask you a question that I really think I probably already know the answer to. But the question I want to ask you today is, uh, have you ever said or have you ever done something against another person and you know it caused them heartache. Have you ever been on the giving ends of offending somebody? I can remember plenty of times growing up um, being an offender to my parents. Uh, we, of course, grew up in, in Greeley, Colorado. My dad was a pastor of a church there, and uh, the church had a large auditorium. I think we could probably, um, mom, seat about 500 in the auditorium, something like that, a very large auditorium. But in that auditorium, uh, because it was so big, and you know, when you're, a, when you're a kid, like everything's big, you know, everything. But that auditorium, I mean, really, you could probably fit like four of our auditoriums inside of that auditorium. It's just huge, high ceilings and everything. And uh, me and many of you remember the Blems who used to live here, me and Daniel Blem, uh, we used to think that that auditorium was our playground. And so I can recall tons of times when I would do something in the auditorium or we'll just, I'll tell you the truth today. It was always Blem. It was always his fault. And I hope he's listening today and uh, can hear that because he'll even, he'll even text some of you and say, it's, he's a, pastor's 100% correct, it was my fault. Uh, I remember we would play football in the auditorium and kickoffs and everything. And uh, I've, I can't tell you how many lights that I broke in that church auditorium. Wait, excuse me, that Daniel broke in that church auditorium. Uh, there would be times we'd have wheelchairs for if somebody ever fell or anything like that. We had a storage closet that had wheelchairs and crutches and some things like that. And uh, we had wheelchair races up and down the aisles. And I remember a couple of times when the church had just got new carpet. I was probably about eight years old. And we had just got new carpet and we were doing wheelchair races up and down the aisles. And we didn't realize it, but did you know that wheelchairs sometimes leave marks? Did you know? I didn't know that, but they do, especially if you come to a sudden stop or if you hit a turn 
right in the front of the auditorium as fast as you possibly can, pushing the wheelchair with no one in it. And so I remember there was these scuff marks all around, and uh, the maintenance man, his name was Vince. Vince, I caused a lot of heartache for Vince. I, I upset Vince a lot. There was one time Vince said to me, you guys would ride horses in here if you could. And I said, yes. That was the wrong answer. I'm just telling you. <laughs> but there were so many times when as a kid, I just, man, we, we got in trouble and we did things that later I had to go back and say, I, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? I use the silly illustration of me as a kid, but I want us to understand today that every single one of us, we have all been there. We've all been on the offending side of a situation. Now, maybe it wasn't wheelchair races. Maybe it was between you and a spouse. I know this is gonna be a surprise to you. I, I, I know some of you, we might have to wake you up after you pass out from what I'm about to say. I'm not a perfect husband. I know, I know, it's crazy, isn't it? I'm teasing, but the fact is there's been plenty of times when as a husband, I can remember plenty of heated discussions. We don't argue, we have heated disagreements, heated discussions. I can remember plenty of times when I should have been a peacemaker and I should have said, you know what, forget it. It's, it's okay, it's not a big deal. But instead I said those cutting words. Instead I had that, that quick retaliation that, that cut Hannah to the heart. I say, pastor, why are you telling us your grievances today? <clears throat> Well, the Bible says, confess your faults one to another. So I'm, no, I'm kidding. You know, um, I tell you that because I wanna, I wanna lay some foundation for where we're gonna be today. Because the fact of the matter is, every one of us have hurt somebody and every one of us have been hurt by somebody. In a group of this size, no doubt, there are people who are carrying deep grievances. There are people in here that, You've been hurt in ways and you've been offended in ways that would really just be mind-boggling if you recounted the story to us. Some of us in here, we have maybe looked at, at an argument with a spouse or with children or with coworkers, but the fact of the matter is, every one of us, we have been offended and we have offended. And we live in a culture that says this about offenses. We live in a culture that says, well, just get over it. We live in a culture that says, if you can't get over it, get even. But what if I told you that God has a different way? God has a better way for us to deal with offenses. God has a better way for us to deal with people that, that have hurt us or times when we have hurt others, because the fact of the matter is life happens, and in life, offenses will come. And this morning, what I want us to discover is some different advice that God gave through Paul to us and to the readers of the book of Ephesians. And 
While culture says get even or while culture says get over it, this morning we're going to come to a passage where we're challenged by God. Don't just get over it. Don't just get over it. Don't just get even. Instead, learn to deal with offenses God's way. Because there are a lot of things that come in life that we have to be honest about that we can't just get over. There's a lot of offenses that come in our life and some offenses that we cause that you cannot just get over. So what do we do? How do you deal with with, uh, uh, heartaches that come? How do you deal with situations when you've been offended or you've been hurt? How do we deal with struggles that come into our life because of people around us? And that's precisely what we're gonna look at this morning. Ephesians chapter four, and we're gonna pick up in verse number 30. Let's stand together, Ephesians chapter four. Beginning in verse number 30, <clears throat> the word of God says this. It says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking, let it be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. What do we do instead of just getting over it? What should we do instead of just getting over it? This is the question that we're going to look into this morning. And I believe if every one of us, I believe if we would listen to the word of God with a open heart, and as we dive into this passage, allow God to speak to us, I really think we could walk away with, walk away with a heart that is beginning to heal as well as with walk, walking away with some, uh, some tools, if you will, that will help us even in the coming weeks. Because the fact of the matter is, offenses are a part of life. We've, we cause them and people cause them in our lives. And I hate to tell this to you, but it's not gonna stop until, you know, you're dead. Man, pastor, that's a downer. No, it's just the truth. Like until, until we pass into eternity, offenses are going to come and offenses are going to be caused. And so what do we do instead of just getting over it? And this morning, that's what we're gonna see from Ephesians chapter four. Let's pray and ask God to bless our time and then we'll get right into the word. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the passage before us. And Lord, I wanna come and I wanna pray today that you would help us. Help us to hear from you I pray that you'd help my mind. Lord, I pray that you'd speak through me today. I pray that you'd speak into my heart this morning. And I pray, God, that as we go through the passage today, that you would, that you would do only what you can and that you would apply your word into each of our lives. No doubt, Lord, in this room today, there are people who are carrying hurts, There are some who are carrying uh, offenses that they've caused and maybe offenses that have been brought upon them. 
And so, Lord, we just come and we want to pray that you'd speak into those areas of our life today. I pray that you'd help us. We love you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> As we come into Ephesians chapter 4, we've been traveling through this book, this letter written by Paul to the believers at Ephesus. Most recently, Paul, he, of course, uh, was a great persecutor of the early church, but then God got a hold of his life, and Paul became a church planter and would eventually start a church in the city of Ephesus. Ten years later, he would write back to the believers at Ephesus to encourage them, to help them, to challenge them. One of the things most recently that Paul has written to them about is that culture or uh, the, the lifestyle of the world in which we live doesn't match up to the ways that God desires for us to live. Once a person comes to know Jesus Christ as their savior, God says, I've got a better life for you and I've got a different way for you to live. And so I wanna encourage you to pursue me, go through my life, go through your life my way. But culture screams out to go through life culture's way. And so in Ephesians chapter four and verse number uh, one through three, what we discovered last week as we looked through one through 16 is Paul writing to the believers at Ephesus. He says this, and it actually begins in verse number uh, seven. He says, walk not, walk not as the Gentiles walk. What, what is he talking about there? Well, he's referring to the lost people who don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, the culture around us. He says, don't travel through life the way they travel. Well, how do they travel? How, do, how does the culture around us live? Well, they're very selfish. They're very self-focused. They're in it for themselves. They, they are not givers. They are takers. They, and he begins to describe a culture that we live in. And Paul says, God has a better way. God's way is to be renewed in the, the spirit of your mind, to allow God's word to change your mind and to change how you and I think about things. And so Paul writes to them about how to live differently in this culture and how God's way is different. Before we get into our passage, I just want to preface our study this morning by saying and maybe repeating something I said a minute ago, in a group of this size, there are certainly a, a lot of people who have been hurt by others. And unfortunately, there are some in this room that are carrying deep hurts that will be carried for a lifetime. Some hurts are seemingly so severe in the moment, but over time they heal. While others, even though things get better, they're always there. And so as we talk this morning, I want us to recognize and I want us to understand and I want you to know that I recognize the vast diversity of hurts represented in this room. But even more than that, God recognizes it. God knows the offenses that you've caused and God knows the offenses that have been brought upon you. And while we may not address specific situations today, we need to know that God knows your specific situation. And just as we have been learning in our study, God gives you grace and God gives me strength to deal with the specific hurts and offenses that come into my life. 
And so while we may not deal with your specific subject or your specific offense, I do want us to know that God's desire is not that you would just get over it. God has a better way. So what is his better way? What do we do instead of just getting over offenses? I want you to see first off today from our passage, instead of just getting over offenses, we must identify and be honest about our hurts. You've got to identify and be honest about your hurts. Notice verse number 31. And just so you know, I have no idea what that white dot is on there. It's just kind of floating around the screen. It's been there today. We don't know. It's just there. Here's what verse 31 says. It says, let all, and I'm sorry, I have to say this. I say that because I'm one of those people that's like, what's up with the dot? And all service, I would think, does that dot mean something? So maybe you didn't think that, and now you're going to, and I apologize for giving you a distraction. But for me, it was already a distraction. Anyway, let's go to the verse. Paul says this. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. If we're going to deal with hurts and mistreatments in our life, one of the first things that we must do is we must be honest about our hurts. And where do we see that in this verse? Here's the thought this morning. We will readily and quickly admit that we're hurt. If someone offends you or you offend others, there will often be, if we've been offended, we will be, we will be very quick to admit, well, you hurt me and I'm upset and this, this is an offense in my life. But what we must do is we must quickly and readily admit that if our hurts, stay with me, if our hurts and our offenses remain unchecked, if they remain undealt with, if we just let them sit in our life and fester and just stay there, we have to know what they will do, what those offenses will cause. In Ephesians chapter four and verse number 31, Paul is dealing specifically with the outcome of not dealing with hurts that come into our life. What is bitterness? Bitterness is that festering feeling caused by a hurt that literally becomes a poison to your own spirit. What is wrath? Wrath is the fierce outpouring of bitterness. What is anger? Anger is that vengeful spirit that says, how can I make things right on my terms? What is clamor? Clamor means to cry out or to pour out your frustrations and your complaints. What is evil speaking? Evil speaking means to vilify those who have caused you the issue or the offense, to tear others down while building yourself up. One man summarized it this way by saying these words, bitterness refers to a settled hostility that poisons the whole inner man. Somebody does something we do not like, so we harbor ill will against him. Bitterness leads to wrath, which is the explosion on the outside of the feeling on the inside. Wrath and anger often lead to outbursts and attacks, clamor, or blasphemy and slander. 
which is evil speaking. Well, let's break this down and make it a little more comprehensible. If someone does Dennis Fountain wrong, I have choices to make in that moment. And I have choices to make every single time I think about it. A, I can let those offenses just sit and be there. When I think about it, I just push it off to the side. When I think about it, I just say, oh, it'll be okay. When I think about it, I just kind of go, well, they'll get theirs. And I have this mindset of, I can get over it. But if you're like me, you found that you can't get over it. If you're like me, you found that pretty soon that offense begins to cause a little bit of bitterness in you. Because you know what they did and you can't take it when someone else speaks kindness about them. You know what they did and so next time you see them, you can't take it that they have a smile on their, on their face and they're not apologizing to you because you have been offended. You've been hurt. And so that offense, follow me, that offense, it turns to bitterness. It's a seed within our heart that just says, oh, oh, if I could only get even. Pretty soon that seed, every seed bears fruit So that seed begins to bear fruit in our life of wrath and anger and malice. Well, what is that? That's now I'm short with that person. Now I'm quick with them. Now whenever their name is brought up, evil speaking takes place. And it's not evil speaking sometimes in the sense of like, oh, I just want you to know the offense. No, no, no. It's like, well, I just don't respect them. Well, I just don't care for them. Well, I don't, if you only knew the truth. What, what are those things? Those are the fruit of not dealing with an offense. So when hurt comes, you need to see it for what it is, identify it for what it is and what it can become. Know that it can become bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking. That hurt can become a poison that eats my life from the inside out. It is something really Hurts that are undealt with, they have the potential to wreck and ruin relationships that are good in my life right now. I have situations and friends in my life, and you do too, that you watch them get hurt or offended over one situation. They carried it for years, and they are a totally different person now. And they're, they're just angry all the time. They're bitter at life all the time. What's happened? Well, they've allowed that bitterness to rule in their life. They've allowed that unchecked hurt to just sit and fester. So what what does Paul say about it? Paul says the word let. Do you see it in verse number number 31? He says, let all bitterness, and he goes through the list, let it be put away from you. That That word let, it means to sail away or to drive away with wind. So it's this thought, so you need to see, the, see those hurts and offenses for what they are, and you need to let God blow them out of your life. Let God begin to heal. 
Don't just shove your hurts into some small, small, dark corner of your heart. Instead, identify them, see them for what they are, and realize if I don't deal with this, they are going to become bitterness, anger, wrath, malice, evil speaking, a contentious spirit. And so we, have, we must see hurts not just for what they are, but for where they could lead us and what they could become. So identify and be honest about your hurt. What do I do secondly? Well, you desire, desire and live the unexpected response. Desire and live the unexpected response. When we are hurt, what is the expected response? When we are hurt, what, what does culture say to just do? Well, we talked about it a minute ago. Culture says, get over it. If you're hurt, just get over it. Culture says, people say, if you're hurt, you have friends in your life that say, well, you may not be able to get over it, but you can get even. Hey, you, you get even with them. Maybe through retaliation or through that bad mouthing or the like. Others, they'll say this, well, just push through. Hey, just push through it. These are common responses that other people suggest when you and I have offenses in our life. Somebody did you something wrong, and so you need to figure out a way to get even. If you can't get even, then just push through it. If you can't just push through it, well, you've just got to suck it up and get over it. I mean, life happens. And often the, ex the expected response is a revenge or a grudge years of complaining about my mistreatment. That's the expected response. But we should desire to live out a different response and that's what Paul writes about next in verse number 32. When Paul says this, he says, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. This is how we let those things be put away from us. This is how we allow ourselves to, uh, to heal from offenses that come in our life. We must meet those offenses with the unexpected response. What's the unexpected response? It is be kind. Be kind, it means to be better, or to be gracious, to show kindness. What does this mean? It means to meet their cruelty, the person who's offended me, meet their cruelty and their harshness with grace and kindness. How different is this response? Well, this response says, you did me wrong, but I am still going to treat you with kindness. Now, again, I recognize that there are some deep hurts represented in this room, and just because you are kind to somebody does not mean you give them access into your life again. It doesn't mean that you place that person back in a position that they had before if they've offended you or if they've hurt you in your life. No, this is the attitude that says, I'm going to meet your cruelty. I'm going to give you grace, and I'm going to be kind to you. I'm not going to retaliate. Paul says, be kind. He says to be tenderhearted. The word tenderhearted, the phrase, it means to 
meet their mistreatment with a sympathetic and tender heart. Sympathetic and tender heart. It means to be compassionate and sympathetic. You know what compassion does? Compassion shows love even when it is undeserved. Sympathy says, I have a pity and a genuine concern for the wrongdoer. I believe the tender-hearted person who is healing through hurts has a desire to pray for the offender. They've offended me, and I, I pity that they, they think that this is okay, and, I, and I, I pity that they think that this offense isn't hurting me or hurting other people. And it's not I pity them, oh, I just feel sorry. They're just such a horrible, lost human. No, 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 I pity them. I wish, I wish they would experience God in this situation. Not because I'm looking down at them, but because, man, I have some compassion for them. I don't, I don't want anybody to go through life like that. I pity the situation. I pray for them. And then probably the key in this passage is to be forgiving. This means that I meet all hurts and wrongdoings with a forgiving spirit. But I will say forgiveness is probably one of the hardest characteristics in life, isn't it? It's the hardest thing to accept and to live out because when we've been hurt, we feel like forgiveness is saying, I'm not gonna hurt you. found the definition a number of years ago for forgiveness, and I love it. It's this, forgiveness. It's me agreeing to live with the unchangeable consequences of another's sin against me and giving up my right to get even. I give up my right to revenge. As a Christian, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, it means that you accept the situation and what has happened as a part of Romans 8, 28, that I know that God can work all things together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Well, pastor, you don't know what they did. You're 100% correct. I don't know every situation, but I am not the author of Ephesians chapter number four. God is. And God knows. And when God, listen, when God inspired Paul, some some in here might be thinking, this is a hard message to hear. Listen, every one of us have this. Every one of us have hurts and situations in our life that we think, I cannot just let that go. I cannot get, I can't. And and here's what I'm gonna tell you this morning. You are 100% correct. You can't. I can't just move past the offenses. I can't just get over it. And so God says, I'm gonna give you a better way to deal with it. How do I deal with it? You've gotta look into your life and see, if I don't deal with this, look where it's gonna get me. Well, how do I deal with it? You deal with it by saying, God, would you give me grace to be kind? I'm not allowing them back in my circle. God, I'm not, they've offended me, they've hurt me. I'm not, I'm not giving them permission back into my life but would you just help me not to have a vengeful spirit? Help me to be kind. God, would you help me to be tenderhearted? Would you help me to want them to see you in this situation? And God, would you give me the grace to pray for them? And then God, would you help me to be forgiving? 
Help me to trust that you knew this situation was gonna happen before you even created me. You knew that I was gonna experience this. And God, you allowed it to happen. I'm gonna say this this morning. It's not in my notes, so I just feel like it might be a good thing to say. Just because some offense has happened in your, happened in your life, it doesn't mean that God caused that offense. I think sometimes when offenses come, we go, God, how dare you? No, you know what God does? God lets every single person make free choices. It's called free will. He gives you permission to make some decisions. He gives you permission to make some choices in life that sometimes may not be the best choice. It's free will. The problem is that we have to live with the direct results of other people's free will. And that's a hard thing. And so that's where in scripture it says, hey, we know that offenses are gonna come. We know, but God knew it. And what's the recipe God gave to deal with them? He gave this recipe of dealing with them with forgiveness. We should desire and live out this unexpected response. What is the unexpected response? It is to meet cruelty and harshness with kindness, to meet mistreatment with a sympathetic and tender heart, and to meet hurts and wrongdoings with forgiveness. I told you a moment ago that that word let, it means to be driven away. Um, it actually is a picture in the, in the Greek, that terminology, let and be put away and all of the wording in Ephesians chapter four, verse 31 and 32. It has the idea of being a big old sh- sailing ship that's at sea. Um, those of you that know the story of, uh, of Paul, in Acts chapter number 22, 23, and 24, when Paul was caught in a, in a crazy storm at sea. And the Bible says that Paul wrote about the captain of the, of the ship, that they let her drive. They just let the wind take the ship. where they, they quit fighting against the wind, and they just let it go. The idea is that the wind catches the sails, and the sails take that ship where it needs to be. So here's the word picture. It's incredible. Here's the word picture. Allow the winds of forgiveness. Allow the winds of a tender heart. Allow the winds of God's spirit working in your life. Allow it to blow bitterness and envy and clamor and evil speaking and anger. Allow it to just blow those things out of your life. But here's what we do. We hang on to them. We hang on to that ship. We hang on to bitterness. We hang on to an unforgiving spirit. And here's what God is saying. Hey, if you will let me, I will give grace and I will, I will help you let go. Someone should write a song, let it go. It should go something like, let it go, let it go. Maybe something like that. I don't know. I'm not singing any more of that one. <laughs> You know what some of us need to do? We need to recognize that God has a great way for us to deal with offenses. It starts by identifying what the offenses are and where they could take us. 
it continues by us saying, you know what, I'm gonna desire and I'm gonna live out an unexpected result. I'm going to be kind. I'm gonna be tenderhearted. But most of all, I'm gonna be forgiving. And let all those hurts and all that could come from them be driven away by the winds of forgiveness. You say, Pastor, this is impossible to do. You're 100% correct. That's why the third key is we focus on and imitate what we see in Jesus Christ. In our passage, Paul doesn't say, all right, be forgiving, period. Notice what he says. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another even as. That phrase, even as, it means just like. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. To be kind and tenderhearted, especially forgiving, these things, they are a big ask. They are hard to follow through on. And so because of this big ask by the Lord, he says, but you can't do this with your eyes fixed on you or your eyes fixed on your situation. The best way to be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving, the best way to have compassion and sympathy toward those who've hurt you, the best way to deal with hurts in your life is get your focus on Jesus and follow his example. Hey, look to Jesus and follow his example. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I want you to think with me for just a minute about the sin in your life that you've committed against God. Because here's what Paul is saying in this passage. He's saying to me and he's saying to you, you can forgive others because you've been forgiven. But you know what we try to do? We try to quantify our sin. We want to say how that, yes, we sin against God, but God, the sin of me sinning against you, that doesn't compare to how they made me feel or what they did or what they said or how that came across. God, it doesn't compare. But really, when we do this, we're just lying to ourselves. And I can't believe this morning that I am in a room filled with sinners. And I can't believe this morning, listen, I can't believe this morning that you are listening to a person who is a sinner. But here's the fact of the matter, we're all sinners. As a matter of fact, here's what Paul wrote to some who were, they were trying to justify their sin. Here's what Paul wrote about their sin in Romans chapter two. He said, therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. Paul's like, hey, there's a group of you out there that you are saying, well, we're not as bad as that guy and you don't understand, God, what they did. And here's what Paul encouraged, or what God encouraged Paul to write to the believers at Rome. You're lying to yourself because your sin is the same as their sin. He continues, thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Hey, you are, you are becoming the judge and you, for, you are forgetting 
that God is the judge. And the fact is that we are all sinners and we have all completely sinned against a holy and a righteous God. Isaiah said it this way, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. And he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Later Paul would, or Isaiah would write this, that we are all as an unclean thing and all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Hey, you want to know why you can forgive somebody? <clears throat> it's because you didn't deserve forgiveness and yet God offered it to you. And when we stop and we remember his forgiveness and how it has touched and impact our life, impacted our life, and we remember how much he has forgiven us, then it will help us to have a desire to offer forgiveness to others. When we focus upon his forgiveness offered into our lives, it helps us desire to follow in his steps. And that's precisely what Paul writes about in chapter five and verse number one, therefore. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Hey, just like you've been forgiven, desire to follow in the footsteps of forgiveness. Because the fact is that we cannot forgive like Jesus without the help of Jesus. And if you think that you can show and that you can forgive and show forgiveness apart from the help of God and apart from focusing upon him, then you are fooling yourself. But when we remember how much we've been forgiven and how my sin is just that, it's sin. And I've offended God. And I've fallen short of the glory of God because of my sin. Because the fact of the matter is, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. We all deserve hell. We all deserve it. Yeah, but, but pastor, if I do that, I mean, God, God, if I do that, then they're just gonna get away with offending me. Wrong. Because you know what God says? God says he keeps a better record than you keep. And you don't know what, you don't know what judgment may come to them. That's Romans chapter two. You're not the judge. So that doesn't mean then we do the pendulum swing. We're like, yeah, they're going to get it. Yeah. I can't wait for it. I'm going to be, yep, I forgive them, but I can't wait till God gets my revenge, my revenge, you know. No, it says, God, I trust you. I give up my right to get even. I give up my right for revenge. God, if I never, ever, ever know, if if I never know, the result or the judgment placed upon them, I still forgive them. Why? Because God, that's what you've done to me. Hey, you can't earn God's forgiveness. I don't care how much money you give. You can never earn God's forgiveness. I don't care how many times you get baptized. You can't earn God's forgiveness. I don't care how many good deeds that you and I do. We cannot earn God's forgiveness. I don't care what what church services, how many church services you go to, how many times you carry your Bible, and how, how much you memorize scripture, how many days you read the Bible. I don't care what you do for God. Our nothing that we can do. You read it a moment ago in Isaiah chapter 64. Our righteousness, all of the good works, all the good deeds that we can do, it's like filthy rags before God. God says, what's this? 
You, you think your righteousness compares to my holiness? You know what we should do? Man, we gotta step back and say, God, I recognize I can't forgive, but I didn't do anything for your forgiveness. And so God, I wanna offer forgiveness to them even if they never ask for it. I have some people who've offended me before and you know what? They never asked for forgiveness. And you know what I did? I carried on to bitterness. I remember I was, there was a situation years ago, I was holding on to bitterness. And I mean, I was a, I was a bitter man on the inside. And I had one friend that saw right through it. And I was pumping gas at a gas station and he was there. He, we were raising money for the church plant and he knew I was just bitter about some situations. And he walked up beside me, put his hand on the car and he went, Dennis, what are you gonna do about that bitterness that's festering inside of you? And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm not bitter. And he recounted the situation as he knew it. And he said, dude, you need to forgive or this is going to literally ruin your, your heart from the inside out. Because that's what bitterness does. One man said it this way, that bitterness is us desiring for the other person to die while we drink the poison. That's what bitterness does. It eats you from the inside out. Another man said it this way. He said, an unforgiving mind is the devil's playground and before long it becomes a personal battleground. And pretty soon, if I don't have a forgiving spirit, and if I don't allow God's grace to help me to forgive, do you know what's going on in my mind? What's going on in my mind is pretty soon, I begin to doubt the goodness of God because God, if you're good, then how could you allow that offense to happen to me? God, if you're good, then why did you let that situation happen? God, if you're good, then why don't you get even? God, if you're, it's a wrong focus. No, 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 the focus has to be God. I recognize that people make choices and that choice has offended me, it's hurt me. But God, I recognize that I've offended and I've hurt you. And so God, I'm trusting that you can work through this. So God, would you help me? Would you help me be kind? Would you help me be tenderhearted? God, would you help me be forgiving? Why? Because I don't want bitterness to take root. Because the Bible says this, lest, looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. His gracious kindness, in his gracious kindness, God has forgiven us and we should forgive others. And we don't forgive people for our sake, though we do get a blessing from it. We don't even forgive people for their sake. We forgive people for Jesus' sake. And I'm gonna say it this morning, this simple thought before we look at this last point is the fact that forgiveness is not a one-time decision. Well, just forgive and forget. I hate to tell this to you, but you're not God. The Bible says that he parts our sin as far as the east is from the west and God, he's God, so there's a way for him to forget about our past we can't. So you know what real forgiveness says? Real forgiveness says when I think about it and I think about that person in that moment, I pray, God, help me to be kind. God, help me to be tenderhearted. God, help me to have your grace and forgive because you've forgiven me. But I want you to notice lastly today, we have to look for ways 
Look for ways to demonstrate your love and your forgiveness. (laughs) Now, you thought the forgiveness part was hard. Look at what Paul writes next. He says this, and walk in love. As Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. That phrase, walk in love, it means to live with love. Let me say it this way, talk is cheap. And you can say you forgive all you want, but real forgiveness is backed up by action. So here's what Paul does. He highlights the action that God gave. You see, because when Jesus Christ died upon the cross, he was dying for the sins of all the world. That was his action saying, I'm proving to you my love for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Hey, the fact of the matter is, Jesus did not just say, I love you and I forgive you. Jesus said, I love you, I'll prove it on the cross. I forgive you, I'll prove it by raising from the dead. The death, burial, and resurrection is proof of the love and forgiveness of God that he has for you in your life and that he has for this entire world. Talk is cheap, but actions make a difference. So what does this mean for us? Well, in this passage, Paul is highlighting the action that Jesus had. One of the greatest, the greatest love ever shown when Jesus died for us. Paul wrote it this way in the book of Romans, that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us for, because when we were yet without strength, when we couldn't come to God, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God, he commended, he demonstrated, he showed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is a whole nother message in and of itself, but basically it's saying while you were committing sin against God, Jesus still died for you. Some people would die for a really good person. You know, that's a good guy. I would die for him. Some might even die for, a, or one would die for, many people would die for a perfect person. Some would die for a good person. Who would die for the person on Skid Row? Who's stepping in that place? While we were yet sinners, who's dying? Who's, who's gonna give their life for the person who's committing an atrocious crime right now? Paul's making the comparison. He's saying, hey, Jesus, that's when Christ died for you. And that while you were yet sinning, Christ died. You know what happened is Jesus didn't just say, I love you. He proved it. And when he died on the cross, he was dying for the sin of the entire world. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never heard that message or you've heard the message. You know that Jesus died for you, but you never knew that you need to make a decision about that. The decision is I need to believe on him. You see, because the reason Jesus died is so that I could have forgiveness and so that I could have eternity in heaven. And if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, today needs to be the day where you say, I recognize that I'm a sinner before God and I recognize that he died for my sin and I believe 
that he rose again to prove that he's God, to prove that he can be trusted. And if you're here this morning and you've never received him into your life, today needs to be the day where you, where you make the decision to believe in him. The Bible says it this way, that if we would just confess that we believe, that we'll be saved. Because all of the cross was done for us. And even in the midst of our sin, Jesus died for us. And the fact is that saying something and showing something are two different things. Jesus didn't just say, I love you and I forgive you. He also proved it with action. And so our forgiveness and our love must also be backed up with action. Our forgiveness and our love, they are a different approach than culture and they should not just be lip service. There should be action that follows it. And as I stated a moment ago, while we may not allow people back into our sphere of influence, we can demonstrate forgiveness and love to those who have offended us because of Jesus Christ, we can do it. That demonstration of forgiveness may look different from circumstance to circumstance, but there will always be action that backs up our love and forgiveness. In some circumstances, it may mean that I'm just not gonna hold it over their head anymore. I said a little bit ago that there have been times in our marriage when I've said the hurtful thing. You know how Hannah has demonstrated love and forgiveness? She doesn't hold those things over me anymore. And maybe you've had that in your relationship. Let's be honest, every relationship's gonna be hurt. Parent to children, children to parents, spouses to each other, grandparents to grandkids, like coworkers. I mean, just... We're people, we're all imperfect, we hurt others and we get hurt by others. And sometimes your, the action is just, you know what? I let it go. I'm forgiving you of it. I'm, I'm not gonna hold it over your head anymore. In other situations, the action may be to follow my forgiveness by simply not talking bad about the person. In some situations, it may be to write a letter of forgiveness and even though I'm not bringing that person into my life again. I let them know I forgive them. And the, the demonstration of our forgiveness may look differently from circumstance to circumstance, but there will always be action to follow our forgiveness. I tell this story and we'll give a closing thought and be done. Many of you remember Glenn and Barb Kerrigan. One of the best things that ever helped me understand true forgiveness is after Glenn and, Barb, Glenn and Barb Kerrigan's son was murdered. If you don't know the story, a number of years ago, Glenn Kerrigan, he now lives in, in Republic, and Barb, she's at home with the Lord. But they were a part of our church for about a month, and their son was murdered. And I remember Glenn sitting down and him just weeping, and him with, with anger in his spirit, rightly so, just saying, Pastor, I don't know what to do. And I said, Glenn, as hard as this is, man, I, the only thing I know to tell you is you just gotta keep going to Christ. We gotta keep looking to him. Let's get some scripture. And we, we began to work and go through that. And my dad was a big counselor in Glenn's life at that time. And Glenn and I would sit down, and Glenn, Barb, and I, and I will never forget, I will never forget the service where Glenn told me, Pastor, I wanna say something today. I don't really just normally let anybody, you know, it's kind of like, what are you gonna say, you know? But I just felt like the Lord was like, let him. And so partly through our Sunday morning service, I said, hey, Glenn has a word of testimony he wants to share. And Glenn stood up right there, second row. And I will never forget it. Glenn had a microphone. He said, he looked right at me, tears in his eyes. He said, pastor, 
I was so angry at you because after my son died, you told me I need to forgive. And I don't want, I didn't want to. And I said, you know, I'm just standing here. And he said, but I want our church to know that I just prayed and I've been seeking God. At that point, it had been three years. He said, this week, this week I wrote my son's murderer and I let him know that as best as I can, I'm going to forgive him. And Barb's sitting there and tears coming down his face. And I begin to watch and many of you did too, that no Glenn and Barb. And boy, from that moment on, it just seemed like God was just healing him from the inside out. And God used that to help me. Because sometimes I'm not, de- I'm not dealing with forgiving somebody for killing one of my children. I'm forgiving somebody because they were mean to me. They posted something mean about me. They didn't like something I said. Hey, listen, you know what? Forgiveness is always backed up by action and that action may look differently. But Jesus backed it up and we are challenged to back it up as well. So today, Paul, he challenges us. Culture says, get even, get over it, push through it. God says, deal with it. How do I deal with it? See it for what it could be. Be kind, tenderhearted, and seek God's forgiveness to help you forgive. But look to him. Recognize you can't do this apart from the power of God in your life. And then back it up with action. And Paul starts all of it by saying this. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. That word grieve, it means to be heavy upon, to cause sorrow upon. And the fact of the matter is that when you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, Jesus moves into your life and you are sealed. He is yours. You are his until the day of redemption, until you are in heaven, you belong to God. But when you and I allow bitterness and hurts and offenses to weigh us down, the Holy Spirit of God says it weighs me down too. So don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Allow the winds of God's healing to blow bitterness out of your life and replace it with a kind, tender-hearted, forgiving spirit. This morning, I just want to say simply, when hurts and heartaches come your way, don't just get over it. Instead, deal with them God's way and discover an indescribable healing within your heart. Thank you for listening to this message. It's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.